Welcome to episode number 44 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast, Zero Waste Stores and Bulk Shopping with Stephanie Lentz. I can't fix what's already been done, but I knew that I could find ways to stop contributing to it. And that if I could do that, I could make that lifestyle more accessible in my local community anyway. That was Stephanie from Renton, Washington. Stephanie is the CEO of Scoop Marketplace and Scoop Intelligence. Scoop Marketplace is a zero-waste grocery store for people who want to shop with their own reusable containers and cut down on their waste. So you bring in your own containers and you purchase package-free food, home goods, and personal care items. And Scoop Intelligence is a training platform for eco-entrepreneurs who want to own their own zero-waste store or are just looking for some guidance and coaching along their sustainable journey. The simple idea that came out of today's episode is to celebrate the wins. So Stephanie points out that it is really easy to get discouraged if we focus on everything that still needs to change or what we haven't done yet in our personal lives. But if we acknowledge our progress and we celebrate every tiny little win, we keep injecting positivity into our sustainability journey and that keeps us going. So I thought that was a really great idea. A quick reminder before we jump in that our charity of the month this month is Crossroads Campus from Nashville, Tennessee. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Crossroads Pets, and you can listen to Kim Iffer in episode number 42 of the podcast to learn all about the incredible work that they are doing to really lean into the bond between humans and animals to help humans and animals. It's really cool, and they're expanding their program and uh, they just, they've got some really cool stuff going on down there. So go check them out and show them some love. Uh, if you're up for it, please hit subscribe or follow depending on the platform that you are listening on. And if you are willing to leave a review, it is seriously our lifeblood as podcasters. Uh, there is so much content out there right now. So every review helps tremendously to help us reach more people. So if you're up for taking a minute to do that, if you listen on Apple, unfortunately, Apple is the only one that I know of right now that lets you leave a review. But if you're listening on Apple and you will leave us a review, I would appreciate it so, so much. All right, let's get going on today's show. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. Uh, The idea is to eliminate the need for disposable packaging. So we are allowing people to use their own reusable containers. We are also providing reusable containers that we sanitize on site. So it's not new. You know, this is we're borrowing shopping methods from previous generations. But the trick is to find a way to offer this service in a way that is convenient and comfortable enough for our modern culture. So it started, well, you know, it's, it's a story as, <laughs> as anything is really, but it, it really started with becoming a parent and just becoming extra aware of what or how our family's routines might be impacting the planet and potentially our future. And I just remember a couple of weeks into 
being home with a baby. And I said something to my husband along the lines of, I think this baby and I are filling our own landfill somewhere. Like there's so many, like disposable everything, you know, diapers and wipes and nursing pads. And it just was like on and on ridiculous. So I was anxious about it, but not anxious enough to really go beyond my normal recycling and composting. And, you know, everyone always says, well, I recycle. And you're like, oh, great. That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> but then after a while, we started, we had some major lifestyle changes. My home, my husband was home for a little while, unplanned uh, paternity leave, which was a blessing and a curse in its own way. And we watched a lot of documentaries. And that was what really got me going on the plastic pollution thing and microplastics. And that was terrifying. Learning about that was just, I mean, I knew I'm the type of person I knew I was either going to go hide under the covers for the rest of my life or I needed to find a way to take positive action and bring hope to the situation because I do not do well being motivated by fear myself. I'll admit that it's what got me going, but it won't sustain that action. So we started to make changes in our lifestyle. And it was about a year later that I said, well, it's still so difficult to go grocery shopping without bringing home a bunch of trash. So basically I built a grocery store that better aligned with our family values to meet those needs. What an amazing story. And I feel like you can just follow the progression of how you slowly stepped into it. You know, I think, I mean, I don't know how anyone would have the capacity to make a big change when they just had a baby anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, yeah, the amount of stuff that you use is just in incredible and scary. And I think um, documentaries, I also like how you said you're not necessarily motivated by fear past that initial like, oh my gosh, I need to do something. And right. yeah, you know, it's, it's, I think that's a struggle for everybody because docu like, I feel like documentaries personally are the probably best way to reach people, reach new people who haven't thought about caring yet. And I mean, they're incredible, but I myself find myself kind of in a black hole after watching them feeling like, there's nothing we can do. This problem's so big. And so how did you, um, I know you said you noticed when you were still grocery shopping that you were still using too much. It was too much waste. How did you make the leap from, like, how did you get started? I guess, were you on your own? Were you doing it with anyone else? And how did you go from, okay, I can see that this is really a problem to, wow, I'm physically opening a store and I'm standing inside <laughs> this right now and hoping people show up, you know? Yeah. So to speak to your point, you know, there is definitely that moment of this problem is huge. I have no idea how to solve it. Like I, I can't fix what's already been done, but I knew that I could find ways to stop contributing to it. And that if I could do that, I could make that lifestyle more accessible in my local community anyway. So you know, it started with actually before we really started reducing our waste, we changed our diet. So we had switched to a plant-based diet and that, it, that just kind of automatically made it easier to bring home less trash because we were whenever possible, you know, when it's in season in the Pacific Northwest, going to produce stands and going to farmers markets and supporting our local farmers. And then the rest of the time, it was mostly the produce section at the conventional grocery store and the bulk bins for a lot of things, rice and beans and that kind of stuff. 
but there were certain things they didn't have in the bulk bins or, you know, if we wanted to get pasta, that was still going to come in a cardboard box with a plastic window or something like that. And I had seen at that point, I'm not sure that I even knew zero waste. I'm not sure that I knew that was kind of a, a buzzword. I think that was an idea that was introduced to me after I started changing my lifestyle and people said, oh, you know, do you know Bea Johnson? Have you read her zero waste blog and things like that? But I had seen some stores in Europe on Instagram that had this, this bulk model. And it seemed like a really good fit for the Seattle area in general. I was just surprised that it wasn't already happening here. And there was kind of this thought of like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'd better do it right now because it's surely some, someone's going to make this happen, you know? And it was this moment too of postpartum madness, probably where I was sitting in bed complaining about this issue. I was probably nursing my four month old at the time with my two and a half year old sleeping in the other room. And my husband said, okay, so does that mean you have to open your own? And I said, I guess it does. And it never occurred to me to stop and ask if he was joking and it's way too late now, but uh, we're in it. So, you know, sometimes looking back, it's hard for me to see how, how I got, like you just asked, how did I get from that? This should be a thing and maybe I should do it to holy smokes. It's actually happening. And I have employees because I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. I've always been a dreamer for sure. I've always been ambitious. And when I look back, I can see all of, all the times where, you know, I wanted to be an event planner or I wanted to have a catering business or I wanted to have a baking business out of my home. I can see how that was always about following my passion and doing what was fun and sharing that. You know, my favorite thing still is to feed people my food and have them compliment me like relentlessly. <laughs> like, I'm good at what I do in the kitchen. And so I feel confident, you know. Um, and, but it never occurred to me that that meant that I could be a business owner that sounded way out of my league. And for a long time, I just had this endless track in my head. I was always saying, I'm just overwhelmed and underqualified. And it was nonstop. I heard it all the time. And then one day my business plan was done. And I thought there, I thought there was no way I could write a business plan. That was way too hard. Market research, financial forecasting, stuff I know nothing about. And then once it was done, I thought, well, if I can do that, I guess I'm good. I can do it. And that was pretty much like the measure that everything else got compared to. Well, I wrote a business plan, so it's not a big deal, really. <laughs> I don't know. And then here I am you know, on our second location, we've just quadrupled the size of our space. And I've got, I think, five employees right now. And we, I, we grew our business in 2020, which I feel very, very thankful for. And now I get to teach other people how to open zero waste stores. So that's been really, really exciting for me and something I knew I wanted to do from day one. So that's what's really energizing me right now. You know, it's interesting because I was thinking how your dream just becomes such a huge impact once you start teaching other people how to do it in their area. Because you had mentioned earlier, you know, I could at least help the people that live near me have mm -hmm. a more convenient option for shopping package free. And that was the people near you, you know. And so now you've expanded and you're really helping people do this all over? Um, is it all over the U.S. and all over the world? Are they mostly people in the U.S.? And tell us more about the training that you offer and, um, you know, where people can find it, what it entails, that sort of thing. 
Definitely. So right now, I think we have about 30, 32 students, and most people are in the US. And then we've had someone in Australia and someone in the UK. And so that's really fun to see as well. And basically, I created a digital course. So the um, knowledge side of the business, the digital business is called Scoop Intelligence. And the digital course is a roadmap for opening a zero waste store. So I walk them through all of the steps that I took to open Scoop, but I also give them everything that I've learned since. So I, I first outlined the steps that I took to build the store, and then I went back and filled in all the details that I didn't learn until you know I was 12 months in or 18 months in that would have been really helpful when I was building my foundation at the beginning. And the idea is that I'm providing them with all of these you know, templates and standard operating procedures and systems and operations and everything so that I can take the guesswork out of that part of the process so that they can focus on the things I can't help with. You know, I'm not gonna help them with their tax planning. I can't tell them which insurance coverage they need, um, financial things like that, you know, but I can at least help the other stuff go smoothly because I just don't think that they should have to start from scratch when I've already stumbled through it all, you know? So, and even just in connecting with other shop owners who are at a similar, similar point in the journey as I am, when we talk to each other, we've both been separately researching all the same exact things. Like we're just spinning our wheels. We're both wasting time and energy and brain power figuring out the same stuff. How is the sustainability movement going to get any momentum if we're all, you know, so worried about competition or whatever that we're just bogging ourselves down trying to figure out the details? But if we share those things, you know, if we can find a way to collaborate and really prioritize the collaboration over the competition, the impact that's going to have on the movement is going to be significant. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I feel like I'm seeing much more collaboration happening on a quicker, quicker clip now, I guess, than, than before. Um, and I do, I agree because it's, it's really hard, I think, to have a sustainable business and to source and your prices are higher, your margins are smaller, you know, you're trying to find, um, a, you, you want to hit the whole market, but you're, you know, you're, you're trying to get that piece that, you know, is interested in what you're offering and willing to come and spend their money on it. And it's, um, it's really hard. So I, I love that you're pointing out how much collaboration can really help everybody. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I feel like I see that changing more as well, just in the circles that I'm in, I hope, um, because I, I think, at the bottom, the bottom line is we all have that same, um, not only passion and goal, but like, we got to do this now feeling of, you yeah. know, this, like, we're, you know, anxious, um, anxiety around how quickly it all needs to happen. Right. And I think we all share that. And so the more, um, at least I find that I can connect with other people. It keeps me going, keeps me inspired, keeps me from getting um, defeated and feeling like these problems are just so big that like I'm kind of wasting my time or spinning my wheels. So I can imagine the community that you're creating of business owners who are doing this is incredible for those people. And I mean, what 
Like, I feel like as an entrepreneur, like what more could you ask for than a roadmap? I mean, that's, yeah. that's like the holy grail, right? Um, so I, I think that's incredible. And are these, um, are the shops spread around or are they more concentrated in, is it more popular for people in cities? I'm just curious about this. Is it more popular for people in smaller town areas, certain parts of the U.S., or is it pretty spread out? It's interesting. It is pretty spread out, um, but it's interesting because we've had some people who are in very small towns and they worry, you know, how well are people going to receive this? And um, we all, to a certain degree, struggle with just with a business like this. It's all about education. You have to tell people that they have a problem that you can solve, right? Because in this case, if people aren't already on this path, they need to be told. So that's even more challenging in the small town setting or the other problem that comes up is there just literally aren't any physical locations for them to rent. It's it's a small place, then that just doesn't happen very often. So that's been kind of interesting. But we definitely have had several people in California. And let's see, I think now we've got uh, one, in, one in Boston, one in Florida, Philadelphia, um, Bonnie opened her store in Ohio last September. That was really exciting. I've had a couple of the ecopreneurs in the Scoop Intelligence program have already launched their businesses, and that's been really cool to watch. And then I think three more are launching in kind of the Bay Area, one in San Francisco, one in Sacramento, and then another one around there. So I'm hoping to go visit those later this year too. Oh my gosh, how fun will that be to like I just know. walk in there? Oh, <laughs> it's just so exciting. Um, so how do people, where are you offering the training? How do people find it? So uh, you can find pretty much everything about Scoop by going to the Scoop Marketplace website, but we do have separate resources for Scoop Intelligence. So if you go to Scoop Marketplace, you'll still be able to clearly see, you know, how to open a zero waste store and it'll take you to the scoop intelligence links, but we do have separate, you know, social media accounts for scoop marketplace and scoop intelligence. We try to keep it as connected as possible to make it easy. So I've recently, a while ago, I was offering a live workshop for, because a lot of people, when they reach out to me, they say, I want to, I want to open a store just like yours. I want to know how you did it. Can I take you out to coffee? Uh, first of all, um, tea is the way to my heart. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's, I just, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to help people do this because when I was in that position and I was asking all those same questions and just wanted someone to tell me how they did it and, and I know now why they didn't have time. And I also understand why they felt protective of their hard earned knowledge. And it just wasn't, it wasn't going to work to meet with people one on one. I could tell really fast. So fortunately, you know, creating this digital course, I can serve as many people as I need to. And we're still able to gather online for Q&A sessions and people are getting, you know, a really intimate group coaching experience with me. But I wanted to kind of keep that idea of that coffee date or the tea chat, you know, so I have a two hour workshop that's available for those people who just kind of want to taste. They just want to get the like down and dirty. How did you open your store? What did you do? So it's as if we were, you know, having a chat over a cup of tea and it's a, it's a good entry point, you know, for people to just get their questions answered. And then if they want to go on to the roadmap digital course, that's fantastic. That's accessible as well, but trying to make it so that 
people feel like they're getting answers to their specific questions so they can keep moving forward. I don't want anyone to have to just sit and wait because they don't have the resources and the answers that they need. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and what a great way to serve both of those needs. I, I love that idea of the workshop and then the ability to dive in further if you are like, yeah, depending on where they're at in their timeline, right? Because yeah, maybe some people have started and are just hitting roadblocks and could just really use <laughs> some support. I mean, I know like I've met many of those in the past, however many years I have of doing business. You know, sometimes you're just like, oh my gosh, there's just this, this one thing that if someone would just tell me, and I haven't had a whole lot of luck um, in the past with people sharing, you know, like there's this one thing's a problem, like, you know, and, and just not finding the answer easily. So like you said, you spend weeks trying to solve the same one little thing that, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. Um, how does, is the process, so actually let's start with what do you, what are some examples of things that you sell in the store that are different than what you can find at, say a Ralph's or a Kroger or Albertsons or whatever someone has in their area? Yeah, great question. So when I was first getting the shop set up, my first location, we actually only had 200 square feet. And I think I was most proud of how much product I packed in there. It was amazing. But my the, the way that I set out to stock the store was first, I wanted to make sure I had the essentials. So I got the pantry staples. I made sure we had oats. I made sure we had flour. I made sure we had rice and beans and those, you know, kind of more typical things that you would have on your grocery list on a regular basis. And then after I covered that, I thought, all right, what is difficult to find? Like what products do you have to go dig around online and you have to order it from some special place and it's really expensive and it comes in a little plastic baggie, <laughs> you know, that's going to be things like agar agar powder and um, broccoli sprouting seed and ashwagandha root powder and kava kava. And so I started getting some of those bold products and that was really exciting. And then I started really asking the community, what do you want? And I had a list in the store and they could always write down their product requests. And that was really cool when I was building the community because people would come in two weeks later and the thing they had asked for was there. And so they felt like they were part of it and they were helping build it. And they knew that I was listening and paying attention and that I wanted to meet their needs. So some of the things that we've introduced over time that have been really exciting would be something like our dish soap bar. So we've got a big cube, <laughs> a bar of soap that's for dish soap and you just scrub the brush or the sponge on it and wash your dishes. That one's really popular. Um, tooth tabs are a big one and those might be popping up in more conventional stores now, I'm not sure, but just the idea of this little tablet that you crush with your teeth and then brush. So we have those in, we have some compostable packets, but then we also sell them in bulk as well. And then actually, I, I think, I think just as of yesterday, I think we're actually switching brands. We were able to find a more locally made one, which we're really excited about. And so for theirs, they have these cute little branded bottles of the tooth tabs and mouthwash tablets. So they're single use. You just drop it in the amount of water that you need to use the mouthwash. So they've got the cute little jars. But then when you finish that, you can bring it back and refill it at our bulk refill. So, And then I love the reusable menstrual products. And again, I do think that is something that is becoming easier to find, but we have a really nice selection. We have some super comfortable cloth pads that are made 
um, handmade, and we have menstrual cups from Salt, and that is a woman-owned business in Boise, Idaho, I think. Um, and then Salt just came out with these amazing period underwear, and they're really absorbent. And I'm pretty sure that they're made from some recycled material. I think they might have um, maybe some recycled plastics in them or something like that. But that's an, another new product that we just brought in. And those are the types of things that we just love the conversations that are sparked by that. And this idea that, yes, even though it's a bigger investment up front, I mean, even with the, the block of dish soap, if people are used to spending $3 on a plastic bottle of liquid dish soap, maybe $15 for a big block doesn't make sense, but it lasts you a really long time, you know? And it's the same thing with all of the reusables. We don't pay attention when we go buy a box of pads or some disposable razors. We just remember how much it costs when we go buy it. $7 or $12. We don't sit and do the math. And that adds up fast. It's amazing what a savings it is if you can get yourself to the point of just investing in the high quality reusable one. And then actually having some pride of ownership. Our disposable culture of convenience, sorry, I knocked, knocked my glass straw against my glass jar here. <clears throat> Our disposable culture of convenience teaches us to like use it for two seconds and throw it in the bin. And it's, we've normalized it and we don't even see that it's happening. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it and your life is ruined, but hopefully for the better. Isn't that the truth? It's crazy how once you are aware of it, it's, I love how you said that your life is ruined because, you know, nothing is ever the same, but I do think much for the better and how exciting that you're able to have those conversations with other people, like in real life, in person, people in the community. and. Um, I love that thought of that conversation happens and you know that that's just step one of how that behavior trickles out for them and that conversation trickles out for them that they're having with other people. So it's, um, I would imagine, I don't know a word for this that I'm doing, but like <laughs> that it kind of like dissipates out into the community. There's and definitely a ripple effect. Yeah, ripple effect. There you go. Beautiful. Nice word. <laughs> that's perfect. And and that's probably why you're seeing growth, right? It's it's um and it's interesting that you grew through COVID. What do you think that's all about? Oh my goodness, um maybe a good dose of luck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would like to say that I did something intelligent. I do think, I I do think there was a willingness to stick with it and to pivot and to listen to what the community needed and make changes. And uh, change as does not come easy for me. And there were definitely moments of like, oh, forget it. This is going to be too hard. <laughs> I'm not sure about this. But people, people were asking, you know, these, these people who are so conscious about their purchases and the trash that they bring into their lives. And then suddenly they feel like they need to stay home for their safety. And they're having to place delivery orders, grocery delivery orders from a conventional grocery store. And not only is the one pound of black beans now coming in a plastic bag, but for some freakish reason, they wrapped that plastic bag in two more plastic bags, you know, and the eco-anxiety is going like this and everyone's stuck at home. And I thought, you know, I don't have a perfect solution for this. I really, I really didn't want to start doing delivery and pick up until I had a, a loop system. So, uh, jar deposit and return program so that we could keep using the same containers. But just based on the feedback I was getting from the community, I thought, okay, I can do compostable bags and it's not perfect, 
but it's not plastic. So let's do it. And I resisted that. I, I really had to think long and hard about it. And I was just trying to take a dose of my own medicine and prioritize progress over perfection and be willing to step out in that imperfect action and see where it led. So, and, and you're right about, you know, the ripple effect and it's really for us about the small changes. And one of my favorite things that I've done in the business is to just be present on social media. Actually for me, I need some boundaries. Um, I could use a whole lot less social media in my life and I'm starting to get some help from my team in managing our social media account. But it was those, you know, first two years where I was posting every single day and it was just like my journal entries and just sharing what zero waste living looks like for a mom with two little kids and how, like I just said, it's about progress over perfection and these small little steps and the most rewarding moments for me what, you know, we think about like the big impact and what's this going to do in the community and around the world, but it's those personal messages that you get that say, oh, you know, I had never, I had never thought about that before. I'd never thought about, you know, reusing the tin foil that I, I covered the pasta dish with while it was baking and it's not dirty at all. And I can just fold it back up and put it in my drawer and keep using it. I won't tell you how long I've been using mine, but you know, and, or like seeing my mom, I, I, I don't know. I don't think she listens to these. I feel like I say this all the time. I don't want to make her feel bad, but like seeing my mom bring her own spoon to Chipotle or, you know, start carrying her own stainless steel straws and stuff like that, that I can see someone's life changing. And that's the same reason why I started out being an elementary school teacher, because I wanted to teach people something that is going to improve their quality of life. And that's what this is. We're normalizing zero waste shopping by teaching people how to improve the quality of their lives as they learn to walk more gently on the planet. Oh, that's such a beautiful way to say I, it's not really like a tagline, right? But it's got to be something that you say to go with like a slogan, maybe or a mission. Yeah. Um, it's 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 really, really well written. And I think, um, yeah, that idea of progress over perfection is a tough one, isn't it? Because I feel like as you start learning how you're impacting the the people around you, the animals around you, the environment, it becomes really, really hard to make decisions that don't feel perfect. But I think the reality of the world that we live in right now, COVID and just the world we live in right now is sometimes we can't be perfect in the decisions. We just have to choose what the best possible solution is. And mm -hmm. so I love that you've been able to be a beacon of that for people and, and then that you're able to see that they are um, easing into it and feeding back to you that, yeah, this is changing. This is changing my life. I mean, I definitely feel that way personally. I started. And for me, the first thing was fashion because I was selling clothing. And so I saw that world and that's what it started. And then it just became a snowball that like you were saying earlier, like quote unquote ruined my life because I got to a point where I just couldn't make a decision anymore without thinking about it or putting a little more time into it and trying to find an optimal solution, not necessarily a perfect or a best solution. And it it's changed my life too. So I think it's it's exciting that it's changing lives and um, that you're able to be a big part of that. I just, I think that's really cool that it's come full circle for you to be a teacher now of, you know, 
people and kids and everybody who's interested in this um, this movement and how great that you offer a resource. I wish you lived close to me. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely in LA, you know, there's there's resources, but it would be amazing to be able to just come to your store and um, and be a part of it. Um, the I'd like to wrap up the conversations with what I call one simple idea, which is along these lines of what we're talking about. But I think there's a lot that can, um, a lot of progress that can be made by just choosing one little thing to focus on at a time, you know, same thing you just said. And so I like to ask my guests, what is one simple idea that you can share from your, your life, your creativity, whatever that people could try that would make a difference for animals and the earth? Oh, it's always hard to choose just one. And you're more than welcome. I will I will caveat that to say you're more than welcome to choose more than one. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, you know, we, we already mentioned that idea of progress over perfection. And while you were kind of uh, reiterating that back to me, I was thinking, you know, we have to remember to celebrate the wins because it's not just what you were saying about I want to find the perfect answer. But it's that we're constantly looking at this list of like, oh, here's the things I haven't gotten done yet. Here are the things I haven't fixed yet. Here are the things I'm still doing wrong. But we just like blow right by the progress that we're making. And we just don't even notice the milestones. And so just that concept of acknowledging them, you know, uh, that has an impact on your physiology. Well, I shouldn't get, I shouldn't use too like fancy words about it, but it does. If you acknowledge the win and you kind of reward your brain, then you'll automatically maintain that momentum and you'll keep moving forward. So that was, that was the one that stuck out to me. And then the other thing I always add is just learn to trust yourself and learn to learn that when you are able to get still and quiet and listen, not just to like this logical voice of here's what you should do based on other factors around you, but like the one that's deep down in your gut or in your heart space or wherever you feel it, that voice is true and it knows the answers. And it's difficult for us to learn how to listen, but my biggest mistakes and my biggest regrets have been when I knew that I was making a decision contrary to the one that was right for me, you know, because I didn't trust myself to make big decisions. And then I looked back and I was like, I knew that was the wrong choice. And I did it anyway. And it was the worst. <laughs> so I think that that's really important. And I think it can play a part in just like not agonizing over these little decisions. Like if my children want organic strawberries in the winter and they're out of season and they're in a plastic box, I'm celebrating that my kids are eating fruit, you know? <laughs> I'm not killing myself over the plastic container. And, and so like find the win and let the rest go. I, I absolutely love that. I think, um, I am definitely a culprit of not celebrating the wins and, and getting defeated. So I think that, um, that's a really, really good thing for me to hear. And also the trusting yourself, because I can point to many times that I have made decisions out of fear and I can look back at them and know that I was making that decision or I was behaving that way out of fear versus, letting go and saying, you know what, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> you know, 
everything's going to be okay. It's going to turn out the way that it is meant to. Um, thank you so much for joining me, for jumping on today and telling me all about your journey and Scoop Marketplace and the training you're doing and just how you continue to find that inspiration and that drive in your own personal life. I think all of those things are incredibly helpful for me to hear and I think for all of our viewers and listeners as well. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to find you? I, I think, you know, I want to want to try to keep it simple. So I think you can find everything you need at scoopmarketplace.com. And then it's the same if you're on Facebook or on Instagram, it's just Scoop Marketplace. And our email address is on there, info at scoopmarketplace.com. You can contact us through the website as well. And that's all for today. If you are into zero waste shopping or bulk shopping and you have any good tips to share, please reach out. I would really love to hear from you. DM me on Instagram at 4animals4earth or you can just email me at hello at 4animals4earth. If you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend. You can tell them to go to 4animals4earth.com slash podcast and you can find every streaming platform there so they can pick their favorite. One more shout out for ratings and reviews if you're up for it it helps us a ton we have actually been ranking lately in costa rica and jamaica so if you are tuning in from there hello it's nice to have you here i absolutely love when i hear from you guys all of you who are listening all over the world please let me know i would love to hear from you uh, hit follow or subscribe depending on the platform you're on and have an absolutely great week i will see you next week bye